0: We have to go back. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Flashback Flicks retro movie podcast. I'm Ricky. I'm Grayson. And today we are reviewing the movie The Day After Tomorrow. <laughs> we are doing this because yesterday the Beatles inspired movie is hitting theaters and we are believe ourselves to be very clever Uh, Mm. and and also Jake Gyllenhaal is going to make a a movie appearance in a movie Mm -hmm. about a kid spending a few days
1: abroad Jake Gyllenhaal goes on a school trip and he fights the elements and it's great (sighs) really we should have done this when Geostorm came out but if I learned anything from this film is that it's never too late to fix your mistakes (laughs)
0: You are correct, Grayson. Yeah. Now, for those of you who do not remember, let me take you back to a year known as 2004. Uh, Surprisingly, two years before an inconvenient truth actually hit theaters, which just took me by surprise. Uh, So The Day After Tomorrow is a movie about uh, climate fiction disaster. It was produced by Roland Emmerich and stars Dennis Quaid, Jake Gyllenhaal, Ian Holm, Uh, emmy russum and Cella ward several more people are in this movie but if i were to give an analogy to this movie it's it's like love actually but with weather disasters (laughs) uh there are multiple stories going on across the world uh but with weather disasters but at the center of the story uh there is a paleoclimatologist got it you know yep Mm. don't even need to explain it think Uh, of it like Jurassic park yeah that's that's really it that's it second title jurassic park (laughs) jurassic Jurassic central park uh So that character is Jack Hall, played by Dennis Quaid, who tries to save the world from the effects of global warming while also trying to rescue his son, Sam, played by Jake Gyllenhaal, and his friends who are trapped in New York, who have managed to survive not only a massive wave, but also drops in temperature so sudden that they could kill people in seconds. Like, imagine any uh, X-Men game you've ever played where you play as Iceman and he can just turn people into blocks of ice. Like, that was really happening in this movie. Yeah. Uh and the movie went on to do a a lot of success especially for Canada because this was uh made in Toronto and Montreal and is the highest grossing Hollywood film to be made in Canada if adjusted for inflation. Wow. With a budget of $125 million, it made over $544 million worldwide. Uh and it was A timeless classic, so much so it was released on a timeless piece of media. It was originally released on VHS uh, and DVD uh, in October of 2004 uh, and was released in Blu-ray three years later.
1: That's interesting. You know what? I always thought that this was based on a novel. It wasn't. It was based on (laughs) Roland Emmerich's brain. Uh, No way! Yeah. He came up with a story, and then he wrote the screenplay along with uh, another writer named Jeffrey Nachmanoff. And, uh, yeah, this just seemed to me very similar to, like, uh, Man of the High Castle, where it's like, oh, I've never read the book, but I've seen I've seen the show or seen the movie. Yeah, yeah. But no, this, this was uh, an Emmerich original.
0: Wow. Yeah. yeah, I I too thought this was based off something with a title like Day After Tomorrow. Yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe
1: it's the title. Like, it's got one of those titles where you're like, well, I'm sure it makes more sense if I read the book. Uh, no.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like the, uh, the, the documentary then turned into an MTV uh, show, Catfish. It's just like, okay, why is it called Catfish? It's just like, well, if you watch the documentary, it doesn't really explain it. Like, they have... They kind of give you reasons as to why it's called catfish, but yeah. it doesn't make sense. Worst cooking show ever. <laughs> yeah,
1: I haven't seen this movie since theaters. I saw it exactly one time in the movie theater, and then I didn't see it again. But stuff was definitely coming back to me. I think it's it's very
0: stressful though. Well, originally, uh, they they sought the advice. Or the the blessing of a uh, different scientists, and uh, they even reach out to some NASA representatives mm. and say, like, "Hey, would you guys mind like giving us uh, just like a like once over, just like what your thoughts are?" And they said, "This is so far from the truth." Originally, they banned any NASA representative from <laughs> speaking on even the possibility of this being close to reality just because wow. it was so far-fetched, but then you know, they they re- later uh, receded, rescinded they took backseas um, as they say in the climate change world.
1: Well, that's good so if you're playing at home along with our NASA tracker, that's uh, day after tomorrow, zero, rocket man, one uh, <laughs> they're on board with rocket man, but yeah! this they said,
0: that's where we draw the line
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> I love it So this movie also, because of its success, helped to usher in the early aughts era of disaster movies. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, a lot of the disaster movies based in the nineties, think like Armageddon or uh, Basic Impact, Final Impact, some some their basic instinct, Deep Impact, Deep Impact. There we go. Um, Armageddon, all those kind of movies. They had to do with space disaster movies, like something. Mm -hmm. Space-wise. But this kind of ushered in a a bunch of, like, natural disaster type movies. So uh, a few years after this movie, we got the early 2000s uh, War of the Worlds um, live action movie made. And uh, in that same time, we also had Cloverfield, I Am Legend, uh, 2012, uh, and 10,000 BC. Just a a bunch of disaster-focused movies or end Of Days movies, uh, which at that time, if there was a popular genre of movie, they made a movie movie of it. I'm, of course, talking about Disaster Movie. So, very brief background on Disaster Movie. After the Scary Movie parody movies came out, they did a bunch of other genres. They said, okay, we're going to do scary movie one, two, and three, uh, four, even, I think they even came out with the fifth or sixth one, uh, semi recently. Uh, they also did date movie. They did dance movie. They also did disaster movie, which is the only movie I have ever walked out of the theaters on. Wow. We say on the podcast, I believe every movie is a miracle. Yeah. I've never walked out of a movie theater, and anytime I start a movie, I can't think of a single movie where I didn't actually finish it, even if I did deem it to be not worth watching. Disaster movie, I watched it in college. I was like, okay, I'm studying improv. Maybe I can understand the long form of what these kind of movies are. It's like a bunch of sketches kind of interweaved throughout a narrative film. I watched this movie for... Maybe 10 minutes, did not smile once, and left the movie theater. And I, that's what I, that's my main memory of this era is like the whole disaster movie. Kind of genre yeah. and actually watching disaster movie and walking out of the theaters. I feel like the genre
1: is kind of coming back too because disaster movie would have been a great title for Geostorm um, for a couple of reasons. Uh, and I, <laughs> I couldn't walk out of Geostorm though uh, because I was on an airplane and that would have just not been worth the
0: sacrifice. Yeah. Um, so I watched Fair. it. Yeah. I mean, this movie, um, I, despite the wild inaccuracies a lot of like current articles are talking about how like hey so some of these things that they actually talked about in this movie are kind of coming true um mostly just the larger scale natural disasters Mm -hmm. um and different things about like us being able to make a change now because yes storms aren't just like oh my gosh i know you you're a tornado it's just like me too! Yeah. Let's make a superstore. <laughs> Super tornado at the same time. Hey. Super Tornado! Cloud High uh, 5. Yeah. <laughs> hey! Uh, but just other just larger scale natural disasters, things like that. And so um this movie was very prominently in the Zeitgeist and um I think that might be the first time that we ever use the term zeitgeist. And it won't be the last. It will not be. Yeah. Uh, so I, I though I had never seen this movie prior to watching it for this podcast, mm-hmm. I was very well aware of it because of the poster of the Statue of Liberty being buried in snow. It's an effective poster. Absolutely. So, Gracie, you said you had seen this movie before. Oh, yeah. What was your experience uh, the first time, like would you describe your experience as something that you saw as like a Darko movie or something that you just shamelessly loved?
1: No, I watched this in a very cold movie theater, so it was kind of like 4D. Well, it wasn't in 3D, so I guess it was like 3D, but the third D isn't the D you're thinking of.
0: No, it's degrees. Oh,
1: yes, three degrees. (laughs) I think the way I remember the most is a scene where they're on the the ship with the wolves uh, because I was watching this and I was like, how does he get to a ship with wolves? I don't mm-hmm. remember the the steps we take in between. Um I also didn't remember really Dennis Quaid's contribution to the film. He is the main character, but oh, yeah. for whatever reason, I would not have been able to tell you any of the actors in this movie except for Jake Gyllenhaal. To me, this was a Jake Gyllenhaal film. And I, that maybe that was just because when I saw it, I was about the same age as his character. Um, yeah, I guess that's true because Emmy Rossum was 15 when she shot this. And I was about so that you, age. Yeah.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Because I was about to say, you were 23 playing as high my- <laughs> I, I
1: was. Yeah. Um, I. I also. Wasn't aware of Ian Holm at the time, who yeah. uh, now is very famous for playing Ilbo in the Lord of the Rings. Um, I just wasn't aware of that actor, really, and uh, Cella Ward. Also, uh, I mean, there's just so many names in in this film because it is a large action epic. It, it's uh, an ensemble piece, and so yeah, it was sh- th- watching it back this time. It was more just like, oh, them, yeah, oh. <laughs> <laughs> or for some of the the younger characters being like, oh, I got to check their IMDb because I've definitely seen them in like crime procedurals. Um, right. Yeah. There's a lot of that. Yeah.
0: So RJ Smith, um, the brainy guy who's like, oh, there's a bunch of tax law stuff we can burn. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know him most from the Nickelodeon show. The I want to say the Strange Adventures of Alan Strange. Let's see. Sorry, the journey of Alan Strange, uh, where basically he played this teenage alien who landed on Earth and was trying to be passed off as just a typical American teen. Mm -hmm. Uh, They tried to basically do... It it felt like it had the same spirit of Alex Mack, uh, but with an alien and... Also not exactly a teen third rock from the sun, but basically a teen third yeah. rock from the sun. I mean
1: he was he was on a lot of episodes of Malk in the in the middle as well, which is probably mm, yes. he was on like nine episodes of that. Um, yeah. he was on twenty-four and uh, I mean you and I probably know him most from Flash Forward since we watched every yes. episode of that together. Uh, All 13 of them, yep. 13 glorious episodes. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was just a lot of, oh yeah, that person.
0: One of the people who I didn't really recognize, uh, mostly because of the snow, um, was Hedward <laughs> Headcanon? Headcanon! is a part of the show where we share a few unique ideas about the movie based on evidence provided by the film... Now, Grayson, um, uh, mm-hmm. one of the many actors who I actually could have used as a great segue, but I decided not to because Edward Headcanon needed to be stated, uh, was Glenn Plummer. Uh, he played Luther, uh, the uh, displaced gentleman who brought his dog along with him. Oh, yeah. Um, and he was there at... I I love seeing him in this movie because it solidified my headcanon. Because we have recently seen him as an actor mm-hmm. in another movie. Mm-hmm. Um, he was in Speed as Jaguar Owner.
1: Oh.
0: Wow, you were about to tell a story. Oh, yes I am, Grayson. See, um, Jaguar Owner doesn't have a name. Let's just say his name is Luther. And Luther was on his way to a new job. Mm -hmm. Um, But this new job um, required like this interview. And he had just like, basically he was in between jobs and he's trying to start his new life in LA. Um, And basically after his car got jacked, his, I mean, that was like his big investment was to make a big impression at this new job. And so he lost that job opportunity. He also lost his car and he just kind of lost everything. And so basically my headcanon is that he pursuit of happiness his way all the way up to New York to try to have um, a new life because like his you could tell that um, he he was very intuitive and he was very aware of his like he always was aware of all the things that was happening like right before the street started flooding, he was noticing that and he he survived with everyone else like he like the whole. Um, like stuffing your shirt for insulation, which I remember learning that from watching the Magic School Bus. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just like, "Oh my gosh!" Like he, like he's very intelligent, uh, and so I think that he's just someone who, through a series of unfortunate um, circumstances, just uh, ended up uh, without a home and just is kind of living and roaming off of the streets. But it, ultimately, he is a survivor. Um, yeah. Not only from that. Uh, bus incident that happened in 94 but the weather incident that happened 10 years later
1: i love it i think it makes all the sense in the world it also makes sense why the first line we hear from him is him talking about how much he hates cars he's left that life behind him yeah it's also why he named his dog buddha because he's balancing out uh kind of the actions from the past and his current situation And um, it also makes sense why he gravitated towards the installation with the newspapers, because he probably followed the story of the bus and saw how newspapers saved their lives when they covered the windows in newspapers. I, I dig it. I think it works. Headcanon my head cannon is um i mean i can't help but tie it to things that i'm more familiar with Mm -hmm. um so my head cannon kind of got sparked one by the poster and then two whenever they started moving down into mexico and i was like these have the elements no pun intended but (laughs) realized i was in trouble like two words in Um, yeah these, it has all of the makings of um, a franchise that I hold very dear to my heart, and that is the X-Men franchise. Oh, um, okay. And I believe that this story, even though we never really see the key character, this is the Logan equivalent of Storm's story. This is what happens when Storm ends up being in the same kind of circumstances as Professor X from Logan, Logan from Logan. uh, And she is probably in Mexico with Logan and Professor X, uh, which is kind of what made me think of it. But then also the focus on the Statue of Liberty uh, brings it all the way back home to uh, the first X-Men film. So uh, it also makes Professor X's line in... Logan even more uh, poignant where he references the Statue of Liberty and Logan says that was a long time ago not a long time ago if Professor X can read Storm's mind in the moment and knows what she's about to do wow so this is Storm wow this is the days of future past tomorrow (laughs) tomorrow the day after
0: tomorrow's future past there you go Future past nope. days <laughs> after tomorrow. Grayson, do you know what happens when a geostorm hits a toad? I, I don't. Same thing that happens to everything else. All right. Now we're going to go into the part of the show where we like to talk to you about recast and remake. Recast? What remake? If this movie were to be made today, who would you cast? What would the storyline be? So my, um, if this movie were to be remade today, I I personally would like a sequel, like a, a continuation, just like, hey, it's been 20 years or whatever. Um, let's see what Jake Gyllenhaal is now doing. Um, maybe there's another storm happening and he has to figure out how to make his way through um, to another universe where his... World is less in peril, uh, far from home. Or if they were to remake this actual movie, I think that the focus, uh, would be less on the uh geostorms being uh, like all these super duper storms, um, but really on just like one mega storm, just the oh, one, okay. just one, yeah, just the one. Because it, I, I think the the interesting story is in, you know, it's it's weird because it's natural disasters, which do happen in real life. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as, like, a movie about this stuff goes, I think that uh, an interesting story would just be, like, how different people across, you know, the nation and, like, the world would handle that. Because yeah. I think the most interesting parts of this movie we're seeing, all not necessarily the main storyline, but just, like, the the ripples of like, okay, great. So, like, people who are retreating to like, Mexico's borders and then, like, that one, like, random line that they threw in there that I thought was so good. They said, uh, okay, so Mexico has allowed um, the U.S. to pass through after the president said that he would forgive all of Mexico's mm. Uh If they did that, I'm like, oh, that, like, that sounds like that would be, like, a real thing. And that's really interesting. Just to see just how the world itself would react like did you ever see that movie uh with gwyneth paltrow uh it was like a like virus yeah it, contagion contagion mm-hmm. that movie freaked me out just oh, because yeah. it felt so real just like okay great there is a national outbreak of this disease how does how do you just these different pockets of people respond mm-hmm. we're not trying to follow like any one per- character per se we're just trying to see the ripples of an event like this yeah i think that that would be what the uh modern day remake of this movie would be. For sure, yeah.
1: I like that. I had a similar feel with Contagion and um, I would love to see a recut of this that's kind of done like vantage point where you mm-hmm. have these stories happening simultaneously but we get them sequentially, not cut. So you would have like all of Dennis Quaid's story and then right when he gets to the door you cut back to all of Jake Gyllenhaal's story and so you, you get that suspense along the way and you kind of build an understanding of what's happening in these different areas. Um, I I, I think that would be a pretty fun experiment. For the cast, I recast Dennis Quaid with Ty Burrell from Modern Family. I think this would be a really interesting genre to move from comedy to something a little more action drama. And then Jake Gyllenhaal, I mean, I can't avoid it. Tom Holland. Um, (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. just gonna happen. And for Ian Holm, I had Martin Freeman because you know they've played the same character before. So yep. if it ain't broke, similarly <laughs> for Emmy Rossum, I had Emmy Rossum because of all the vampire blood. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. she does not age. So yeah. Um, yeah, that that was that was my cast there. Um, what I would also like to see is something that almost actually happened, and uh, I read that Trey Parker and Matt Stone from South Park. Had somehow seen the script for this movie before it got made, and they had a plan to make a word-for-word version of this movie that was done entirely with puppets and release it on the same day. until their lawyers said, "Please, let me go home. Just it's not going to get released. Just don't know. No, and so it never happened, but I would like to see a a marionette puppet rendition of The Day After Tomorrow. Oh, I'm here for it. Yeah, just imagine how those puppet legs would
0: blow in the wind. It would be magical. Oh, man, I, I love it. All right, now we're going to go into our final segment of our show where we want to give you our reasons to recommend. So, Grayson, why would you recommend The Day After Tomorrow? So, I recommend The Day After Tomorrow. After The
1: Morrow. After The Morrow. The mor- that's mm-hmm. the British version. Oh, uh, hey,
0: The Morrow, oh, tomorrow. yes. It's cleaner
1: that way. So, I recommend The Day After Tomorrow because it is a big story, um, in both in the stakes and in the cast. It's a very ensemble piece, and they balance it out. Pretty nicely. Uh, everything from what's happening in the White House, what's happening in space, to the more personal relationship of the father and son. Uh, there's a lot happening, but it feels fairly balanced. And I think because of that, it feels more like a uh, network drama than an actual film a lot of the times, which maybe lends to some of the criticism against it. But if you want to really just book-ended story, like a really intense action story that covers a lot of ground, I would recommend this movie. And the action truly is heart-pounding. Uh, and the visuals, even all these years later, are st- they're stunning. Uh, except for the wolves. But everything everything else, like the, the weather CGI is, is very impressive. During the LA scenes, because, I don't know if you know this, Ricky, I live mm-hmm. in LA. Uh, oh, okay. During those scenes with the tornadoes, I was thinking to myself, oh, if that happened, there is no plan in place there. I mean, there are no basements or anything like that. You don't build basements in earthquake country. Like it's, (laughs) it's just not going to be uh, a good situation. And I think that kind of realization is what made it so uh, stressful to watch. And uh, so it, it doesn't have to be a big city. They show the big cities because of all the drama of people there. But this easily could have just been like a farmhouse in Kansas. And uh, oh my gosh, a farmhouse in Kansas with a tornado? <laughs> what? Oh. oh. Oh, my oh the day over the rainbow. Oh it my goodness. Happens. I'd be remiss. Um and uh yeah, but ultimately I think it's a really um uh humbling reminder that weather natural disasters truly is the the equalizer. Um, that's why I love the the end of this movie, where you have the nations kind of coming together to rebuild and providing uh, services and refuge for those from the storm. Um, it's a it's a story of humanity there, and uh, when the the vice president says this during his first presidential address at the end, too. He says there's a profound sense of humility in the face of nature's destructive power. And I love that. I Similarly to what we talked about with Men in Black, I love stories that remind us just how small we are as people. Because um, I, I don't say that in a disparaging way. I say that because we are small people who need other people, and we are better in a community. And in an age where it's so easy to just get your voice out there, I realize I'm saying that on a podcast, but in an age where (laughs) it's so easy to kind of promote yourself, I like stories that say you're not as big as you thought you were, but humanity is strong. I I just enjoy that. And I get that uh, in truckloads from this movie. So that's why I would recommend The Day After Tomorrow.
0: Wow. Well stated, Grayson um i have less heartfelt reasons to recommend this movie uh not to undercut it because all of your things is great um but uh i remember there's several times during this movie where i was just shouting other movies that this was like but with weather Mm -hmm. i was like this is like final destination but with weather (laughs) um Uh, And and to that point, I think that it it does kind of make the tension, like you said, a little bit realer because it's like for most things that invoke fear Mm -hmm. in uh, most people, it's a lot of things of unknown or a lot of things that just don't settle right with us. Uh, But I think a lot of it has to do with the lack of control Mm -hmm. um, and the fact that like any storm could like completely, um, like especially these super storms could just like completely... You know, take out half of America. It's just like, oh yeah. yeah. What? What if that ha- did happen? Like, I, like, we, my wife and I, when we were watching this movie, I was like, oh yeah. What are we gonna do? Like, what? What is our contingency plan? And so it's, it's an interesting movie because you know weather is real, um, and I think that it's. I I'd recommend it just because um, I love movies that make you think about putting yourself into those scenarios and i think this movie does that a lot and um it's it's ridiculous but it's also amazing to just see even though like let's just say all of those ridiculous things did happen everyone treated it like it was a documentary basically Mm -hmm. yeah Uh, like you're just following the people like this thing you see behind me that's a tornado and uh you know Chris, I don't know if you know this, but I'm in Texas. Uh, (laughs) How do we do this? (laughs) We live in Tornado Alley. So we know what to do Mm -hmm. um, when tornadoes happen. They teach you that in elementary school. But just for a tornado to be in California, that's wild. just like, oh, yeah, like – Like you said, there's no training for that. It's just like, oh, yeah, what if – like, that could have been the movie. Just like, there's a tornado in California. Not as catchy of the title. Yeah, they'd Uh, all be like, get in
1: the doorway, get in the doorway. (laughs) Yeah,
0: no. Uh, But, yeah, all these ramblings to say. I I recommend it because it is a a very action-packed, high-intensity movie. And, uh, you know, it it really does make you wonder how you would be in one of those – Scenarios where you actually don't have control over it. Mm-hmm. And uh I recommend it for that. Yeah. And also it's like finding Nemo with weather. So oh, if you like so finding is. Nemo, <laughs> you'll probably like the day after tomorrow. Oh
1: yeah. And if you like Independence Day, it's like <laughs> Independence Day, but with weather and the mm-hmm. same director. So
0: <laughs> you'll like day after tomorrow. It was also like the gray, the the part with the wolves. Um Ugh. that that was it. And that is our review of The Day After Tomorrow. Let us know what you remember about the movie The Day After Tomorrow. Not whatever day of the week it is in the future. You probably can't tell the future. I say probably. Days of
1: future, past of (laughs) tomorrow.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there it goes. Uh, Let let us know what you remember about this movie on our social media platforms. On Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We are at Flashback Flicks. And on a scale of one to five... uh, You know, Superstorms, how would you rate this podcast? Your rating and review helps this podcast to get seen more by other people and lets them know that this is a podcast that they would hesitantly burn in a situation <laughs> they're not, where they're going
1: to burn it, but they're not going to like it. They're not, not going not like to like it. I but think we'll <laughs> will sustain you. We will yeah. Um, I think another uh, rating scale that you could have of if if three is today, then <sighs> like a four would be tomorrow. A two would okay. be yesterday. So a one would be the day before yesterday, and a five would be the day after tomorrow. I like it. Okay, I think <laughs> I think we're all on the same page here.
0: Absolutely, 100%. And be sure to tune in next time right here on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. Until then, remember to be kind and rewind.
1: Next time on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast.
0: So, Grayson, mm-hmm. as you know, Spider-Man Far From Home is coming out. I'm oh, pumped for it. So naturally (laughs) yeah we're gonna review homeward Homeward Bound. bound what else would we do yeah there's no other choice